I would like you to get your Bible and let's open to John chapter 17. Read from verse 1 to verse 3. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Hallelujah. This place we just read was a part of Jesus at prayer just before he went to the cross and he was killed and crucified. This was like his last prayers with his disciples. And this prayer said about Jesus asking God to glorify him. That means to come to the place of resurrection after his death and burial. Then he said the father gave him authority over all flesh. And that authority is to give everlasting life or eternal life. Now the word eternal life is a big issue in the New Testament. Remember John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten so that whoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. So eternal life is the biggest deal in the New Testament. And that's what Jesus came to give. Now the question is what is this eternal life? Look at verse 3. John 17 And this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. You know, in the past we've always thought that eternal life means that the life you live after you die. But we came to see later that the word eternal life has much more meaning than that. It uh, has to do with quality of life, not just the duration of life. Of course, it's going to be everlasting duration, but the word eternal has to do also with the quality. And we can see from verse 3, John 17, Jesus said, this is eternal life. And what's that? That they may know you, the only genuine true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So to have eternal life is to possess the true knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, knowing God accurately, having knowledge of God, and knowing Jesus Christ is eternal life. So, how do you know you have eternal life? Is when we have the true knowledge of God. That word knowledge has to do with experience of living together, of conversing together, of sharing together, which we call fellowship. No wonder the Bible said that in chapter 1, 1 Corinthians verse 9, it said we have been called into the fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. 
Let's read together. Chapter 1, verse 9, First Corinthians. God is faithful by whom you are called into the fellowship, into the sharing of his son, Jesus Christ. So we've been called to this companionship, this life of knowing, working, and conversing with the true God, the Father, and his son, Jesus Christ. And so, as a believer, knowing God is everlasting life. Let's read from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 34. This was portrait to the Corinthians. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Paul was expecting the church in Corinth to have a certain knowledge of God because they've come to Jesus and they have eternal life or they had eternal life. And he said, some people in their midst don't have that working knowledge of God. So that's, they are not awake to righteousness and they keep on sinning. So when we have this true knowledge of God, which is everlasting life, you remember John said something about John 1 verse 4, in him was life and the life was the light or the enlightenment of men. He also said that this light shines in the midst of darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. It says again that this light has come to the world that is enlightening all men. So there's an enlightenment, a spiritual illumination that makes a man different, that, that comes from eternal life or everlasting life. So eternal life, everlasting life is to give us a divine illumination, knowledge of God that brings us into righteousness and get us away from sin. Uh, sometimes ago, the Lord was asking me to go to First John chapter 5, toward the end of it, and see certain basic knowledge that pertains to eternal life. When you have this eternal life, this knowledge, this consciousness, this awareness becomes part of you and it grows in you. John was last of the apostles, so he wrote this thing, and let's look at it. We read from 4 John 5, from verse 12. Okay, from verse 11 to make it clearer. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Remember I said eternal life is to know God, the true God, and His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at next verse, 4 John 5, 5 verse 13. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So, first, you should know that you have eternal life if you believe in the name of the Son of God. You're not going to have this life eternal after you've died. You're going to, you have it now. He said, he who has the son has presently life. He who does not have the son does not have life. So, if you believe in the name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ our Lord, you have now. 
as a present possession, eternal life. Mm. Beautiful. So that knowledge should be there. Now, you should have this confidence with this knowledge. Look at chapter 5, 1 John verse 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. When you become a Christian, you have eternal life. And this eternal life should give you this confidence. And what's this confidence? That if you ask anything according to the will of God, God hears you. Now look at verse 15. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. God wants your prayer life to shift from doubt and maybe, maybe not lack of awareness. He wants your prayer life to shift from doubt and ignorance to confidence and knowledge. Because you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, because you have this everlasting life, it comes with a confidence that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, you have to start walking in that knowing that God hears you when you pray. Stop thinking and wondering whether he hears you or not. Everlasting life has come to impart to you knowledge that God listens to you when you pray. And John 5, 1 John 5.15 says, And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. You know, prayer life of a Christian, if a believer in Jesus, who shift from, we wonder, we guess, we suppose, maybe God will answer, to knowing that we have the petition. That knowledge should become part and parcel of your life because you have everlasting life now. That Jesus has come to give you life so you know that when you pray, God hears you when you pray in his will. And because you know he hears you, you know you have the petition. You have that request. He said, we have the petition. When we know, he said, when we know that he hears us, we know we have. Praise God. So the Christian life shift from walking by sight and saying, okay, I will know I have it when God brings it to me physically. He said, when we know he hears us, we know we have the petition already. Shift your prayer life to that level of knowledge. I want you to have that in your spirit. Knowing that he hears us. And when we know he hears us, we know that we have. Say that with me. I have this confidence. That when I ask God anything according to his will, he hears me. And if I know he hears me, I know I have. Somebody say, how do you know his will? His will is his word. As we listen to his word, as we hear what he has to say in his promises and his commandments, we come to know his will. And we can approach him with that confidence that he has spoken and we know his promises and we know his commandments and we know his will. Praise God. Let's go a step further. There's some knowledge you have to have as a child of God that pertains to eternal life. Look at verse 18. This set of knowledge is important. Verse 18 says, We know that whosoever is born of God does not sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. Wow! What a wonderful, powerful 
beyond thinking, beyond reason, knowledge. This knowledge is wow. We know that whosoever is born of God does not sin. Now, John, 1 John 5, verse 1 says, Whosoever believes that Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ, is born of God. And verse 4 says, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. So, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, is the Lord, you are born of God. And whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Then verse 18 says, We know that whosoever is born of God does not sin. What does this mean? Who is born of God is a spirit person. So what's born of the spirit is spirit. When you got born again and you believe on Jesus, your spirit went through a new birth. You were born of God. And that spirit does not commit sin. Does not live in sin. Does not generate, does not produce sin. When you see sin in any believer's life, it is the product of their physical desires and their soulish struggles. When a believer commits sin, his desires in the flesh and his wrong soulish inclinations from the soul make that to happen. That's why John said this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. He says this, My little children, these things are right to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. In chapter 1, verse 9, he says this, If we confess our sins, it's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, it says, we know that whosoever is born of God does not sin. So sin does not come from the inside of a Christian. If you are still living in sin from inside, you are not a child of God. Everyone who is born of God, when he does anything wrong, he knows that from inside of him, there will be a kind of a witness a rebuke, a convicting that you are doing what is wrong. That's that one that's born of God, the spirit there. So we should know that whosoever is born of God does not sin because it's an overcomer on the inside. Now, how do you now stop from living in sin? You have to take this verse to overcome every sin in your life. Look at verse 18. We know that whosoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself wonderful. So, there is a way you keep yourself and say the wicked one does not touch him. So, a lot of time when a Christian does not keep himself, that's why we fall into sin. And then we begin to live in a way that does not please God. But when we learn how to keep ourselves, he said, he who is born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. The wicked one is the devil. He won't get rid of you and he won't touch you. A lot of times that things happen in our lives because the devil is giving room to touch us. Now, how do we keep ourselves? Let's go to the book of Jude. It tells us how to keep yourself. You know, in verse 20, the book of Jude, it says, but you, beloved, building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Next verse, verse 21 says, keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. 